Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. Well, you know, it's interesting. They've done Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Right. When are they going to do Shakespeare and Dragons? I mean, yes. that's not Game of Thrones. But well, I mean, Shakespeare has fairies. Yeah. Yeah. The fairies are in um, Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. Like, that's where all the fairies are. And in Shakespeare and Hathaway, Luella Shakespeare calls her car Robin, which is Robin Goodfellow or oh. Puck oh. from Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> right. So, I mean, like, okay, so let me ask you this then. What character and what form should they be in in this episode like if there was a dragon would like the dragon be the like 315 train from suffolk coming in what would uh, the, oh, the white walkers like the white <laughs> with the white walkers just be the americans uh, coming in for tourist season yeah <laughs> right oh my gosh that is so true <laughs> yeah i think you win i think you okay, nailed it there we go yay <laughs> well white walker but white walker okay so white walkers aren't witcher though like what witcher characters should we bring in to like haunt yaskier oh, in this episode thing. All, there are so many things that he names in those books that i'm like what is that word even is that something that that we actually talk about in fantasy or those words that we is it, are or these is this a made-up thing that, just for this yeah i don't know because i don't know a, a whole and i didn't honestly look it up I you could, did I, you did not make notes when you read the I, monsters I, manual in dungeons and dragons in middle school did you no sorry <laughs> so i guess i should have just asked you i think i did occasionally ask you <laughs> what is this is this a real thing i mean there's a vampire which i was like yes i know what a vampire is sure thank but goodness there is a beauty and the beast storyline right and i was like yep 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 there's a camelot storyline line which is really weird <laughs> and then i was like mm, okay sure 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 but yeah like there are things that are like centipedes with heads and yeah. creepy, yeah, strange, like bug things that seem kind of mammal-like. It's so gross. There are so many gross characters that things that, you know, and then there are gigantic tarantulas that the witchers are out killing. Let's just stick with dragons. Let's, okay. Let, let, what, yeah. what, would it, what would a dragon be? Like, obviously, the dragon's lair would have to be like Shakespeare's Globe. Like it would, like that oh. would that would be its kingdom. I just or don't know. you mean like well, they're in Sh- in Stratford upon Avon in this right. episode, so it would have to be at just the RSC, whatever that main stage is called. I is that not? Remember. Is that not the Globe? No, it oh. isn't. It has a different name. See, this is Jacob the American. This is why I'm the White Walker coming through and being like <laughs> Shakespeare is the same everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it with White Walkers, anyways, and we're gonna we're just gonna cross everything. We're gonna cross Game of Thrones with Shakespeare. Shakespeare with Witcher and all of these things because this week we are doing Shakespeare and Hathaway from the BBC with a very special guest appearance from Jessica's favorite bard of all time, Yaskier. Yay! Yes, Joey Beatty is in this episode. I'm so excited. <laughs> Which is season one, episode four. Yes, that's what we're watching. Season one, episode four, Rough Magic. Which yes. for all like I so so even though I am an American White Walker when it comes to Shakespeare, I will say that that is from The Tempest, Act 5, when Prospero says he abjures this rough magic and he like breaks his staff and all that and kind of stuff. And puts his book in the water yes. because he's going to go back and go back to the aristocracy and leadership where, you know, he'd been kicked out and was exiled. Yes, he'd and been he exiled to this island. And he was super bitter about it. Right. So obviously, not obviously, but there's probably going to be some kind of 
tie-in for that. There is here. magic in this episode. Oh, yes. So, the, yeah. the log so the, the, the logline log is Jill Shiplake dies after being picked from the audience to assist magician Lawrence Pross, Prospero, uh... Lawrence Pross in a stage trick. Lawrence believes that rival conjurer Anton Duke, like Duke Anton, Anton sabotaged the trick and consults Luella and Frank. They discover that wealthy Jill had argued with cash-strapped spouse Stefan, and CCTV seems to incriminate him, but the detectives find that he has been framed and must work out why and by whom. Okay. This got, might all be in the like pre-title sequence. I I I hope so because they just gave us everything we might possibly need. I'm to. sorry. No no I, no. Well, they did. That I was mean, the we still line. we still have to figure out who the who the like person that framed them was. But clearly we have. Mo- we, well, I don't know. Uh, whatever. This may all get cut. But geez, Louise, give us everything in that log line, why don't yeah, you? IMDb. I know. My goodness. I'm sorry. This is so. This is another thing we have to talk about for okay. this. So we're gonna. So just FYI, gentle listener, we're going to start doing a more regular series this season. We're gonna we're gonna hang our hats a little bit more on Shakespeare and Hathaway this season. The problem with this, and the problem with us doing Shakespeare and Hathaway, is twofold. One, which is not really a problem, which was we've done it in the past. So there are a couple episodes oh. that we're gonna have to skip, and we're not really gonna be able to do because we've we watched them all the way through and we know who did it. Apologies if we skip your. Favorite favorite episode. But the other thing about this is, is that Jessica has a habit of watching TV while she falls asleep. And, yeah. and she tends to watch a lot of mystery shows. So in addition to me guessing on who the actual criminal of the episode was, we're also going to, Jessica's bets will all be a little hedged because we're never sure how much of this show she will have remembered. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so so like, part of the oh, guessing will be... I think I be, did see this, but I don't remember it. Yeah. Nope. I was asleep. Don't remember. Exactly. So we're also going to guess how much of this show does Jessica actually remember? <laughs> we're going to make a prop get that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's like, they're like an over-under. Yeah. I remember. 20 minutes, up to 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Exactly. We're going we're gonna to set the point as to like, how, when did Jessica fall asleep in this episode? And there are a whole episode which, which BBC thinks that we've seen, but neither of us are like, I, I don't know what happened. I didn't yeah, see it. Exactly. I, so it's a, it just mm-hmm. rolls through. It just streams through. And yeah. It's Jessica's I mean, like snoring on the couch. Yeah. It's, it's, that's called binging. <laughs> The cat's sometimes watching it. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone in the household is watching it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just don't have enough paw power to like <laughs> press pause, press. or and then it Aww. stops. Oh, pause! Lol. <laughs> So, yeah, so we're doing Shakespeare and Hathaway. Jessica doesn't know if she, which episodes of these she's seen. I know which episodes I've seen. But Jessica also knows that she has seen a lot of The Witcher, which she loves. I love it. And, and I've read all the books. Yes, she has, which is well done. But so tell us why this was especially, this episode is especially fond for you. Well, because I, you know, when seeing The Witcher, watching the show, I watched this and then, and then I watched, you know, some of the making of or mm-hmm. interviews of different actors, you know, way back. And I remember watching Joey Beatty talking to some interviewer. Joey Beatty pays the bard Yaskier in The yeah. Witcher, who th- toss a coin to your Witcher. And... Yeah. And he's a guest star in this episode. Yes. And he plays a lute in The Witcher. We don't know if he's going to play one in this episode. I kind of doubt it. And by the way, his character in this episode mm-hmm. in Shakespeare and Hathaway is called Column. Which is supposed to be sort of like Caliban. 
It's like a takeoff on oh, Caliban. So okay. we're getting a lot of the Tempest in this. Clearly. And then some Winter's Tale. I'll see oh, if you can spot that okay. a little later if, on. If there's a bear, I think that's probably all I remember from Winter's <laughs> Tale. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, uh, so Joey Beatty says in one of these Witcher interviews um, that when he, inter- he, not interviewed, he auditioned for the role of the bard, His he called his sister and said... I really want this part. It's like meant for me. And she's like, what do you mean? And he described it to her, even though he probably had an NDA, but he described it to her. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's made for you. If you don't get this part, they are so stupid. And he was like, I know. Right. Right. And then I, but then they cut off and I was like, why, why? Okay. Meanwhile, I am reading the book I'm, I've I've kept this book for so long. I'm going like page by page through it. The library, I'm pretty sure, has by this point charged me for the book because <laughs> I haven't returned it because I'm like, I know I'm never going to finish this. I'm never going to buy it. It is a and doorstop of a it book. It is a doorstop of a book. And this isn't even like this is one of a trilogy. Anyway. I'm going through it. I know I'm totally late to the party because everybody watched the TV series with Mark Rylance in 2015. Everybody saw it on Broadway. They saw it on the West End. They read all the books. They love it. It's so great. But I was late to the party. I saw it at the library a couple months ago and was like, oh, yeah, I'll read that. That sounds good. Uh, I want to get on the band or get on the train with that. And I and I've been wondering all this time, like, where who are our you know in all these british shows that we're watching where are the wolf hall connections like who was in this show like right. the, with the mark rylance one or even the the you know the the but i didn't really look into it that hard so all of a sudden i am looking through the guest stars for this episode i find holy Re- moly your researcher pre-cheating yes yes joey Beatty is in this episode and i'm so excited and i'm like oh yeah what is his background and i see holy crap he played mark smeaton the character mark Smeet- smeaton in the rsc West End and Broadway productions of Wolf Hall, Mark Sweeten is a real-life human being from the time of Henry VIII. He was a musician who was invited to be in Anne Boleyn's court, and he, we think that, or the author of Wolf Hall is, I haven't gotten this far in the books, but I think, I believe it is probably going to be suggested that because of a, a snub that this social climbing musician this makes in in real life to the lead character, the the hero of the story, Thomas Cromwell. Thomas Cromwell, he gets basically kidnapped and tortured into telling stories about Anne Boleyn so that she can be framed for adultery and treason and four other men can also be framed for adultery and treason. Mark Smeaton... He is the one, he is the musician and a lute player who gets framed. I I love that those are two separate things. Musicians, lute players, those are separate things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Specifically a lute player who, he's the one who, like I said, he gets gets framed for it. He's also this like commoner. He gets beheaded too among all of these, like historically he was beheaded. It's so weird. Like this Uh, weird. To live in an era when you can just behead any lute player you want. Yes, he was, he's probably like the only musician who, I don't know, somebody probably dig it up and tell me who's other musicians who have been beheaded. But I feel like he's probably the only musician who's been beheaded in 
the practice of like trying to get like a queen, you know, beheaded or like save an empire. That is who we need in this. We need a beheaded ghost musician wandering around Shakespeare and Hathaway. (laughs) That is what we need. Please let this happen. Yeah. Or I mean, he should have been somebody in Harry Potter. Yes. 100%. Uh, But okay. So this, so I find out that Joey Beatty played Mark Smeaton in so. When this episode, this YouTube, sorry, this YouTube video that I watched where he says, I was perfect. And his sister says, you're perfect for this role. For Yaskier in the in in the Bard is because he has already been. Years. Years. Three years playing this role in Wolf Hall. And so he, you know, everybody knows him in the entertainment industry as the Bard, as a lute player. So he already knew how to play the lute when they put him on screen as Yaskier. What, what a great thing to be typecast as we need an annoying loot player get that guy yes yeah because that's the other thing he's he's kind of an annoying a little bit of annoying character at least to Geralt he's annoying but yeah he annoys the crap out of Thomas Cromwell too and in Wolf Hall and so that's why he gets his head cut off all right let's bring it back let's bring it so we're doing Shakespeare and Hathaway yes season one episode four this rough magic Mm -hmm. just to recap for anybody who hasn't like didn't listen to our other episode about Shakespeare and Hathaway tell us about the main characters okay so the main characters are Frank Hathaway who is is played by Mark Benton, who is who is a character actor. He actually did a famous. He's he was the lead in a famous commercial series, eight commercials for the Nationwide Building Society, and the commercials. That sounds fake. <laughs> I know it does, but they're directed. The commercials are directed by Armando Inucci, who created oh Veep and a ton of other political <laughs> I TV would love shows. To see these commercials. Yeah, I know it's so insane. He was also on a dancing show, kind of like Dancing with the Stars, or not Dancing with the Stars, like to who who say so you hope you can dance. No, no, no. It's definitely so the celebrity dance. dancing. Show. Dancing with the Stars, Not, is, yeah. Yeah, that is Dancing with the Stars. Okay. He also played Montfleury in the Peter Dinklage Cyrano, but I think I said that last time. And he's done a bunch of other guest stars on other mystery show, daytime and what mystery is, shows. And his character name is Frank Hathaway, correct? Yes. So yeah. he is at the setup of the show is that he runs a failing private investigations business. He used to be uh, a member of the police force. Now he's retired and he runs this sh- private investigative Yeah firm which is failing until Luella Shakespeare comes around in episode one and partners with him so tell us about her so she is played by Joe Joyner and she is an award-winning EastEnder soap opera star she played the legendary or as I learned today it's not just a soap opera in in the UK it is a continuing drama yes yeah that was a new term for both of us today I was really I don't know why I was like oh learn something every day (laughs) really excited about that (laughs) your anglophile really came out on that one yeah ooh that's what they call it over there great (laughs) yeah yeah and she's done so many guest stars on TV but she is that's really she is beloved for that role and now for Shakespeare and Hathaway where she plays Luella Shakespeare like I said and then there's a third character who is a regular on this show which much beloved we cannot you know finish this segment without mentioning Patrick Walsh McBride who plays Sebastian Uh. Brunel 
who is Frank's assistant in, and an aspiring actor. That That's the character. Right, He's an aspiring actor. actor. Yeah. He wants to do something at the RSC. And he occasionally has to help out the investigators by undertaking undercover roles. He's done guest stars on other shows. And, and, by, and by occasionally every episode. Yeah, pretty Every much. episode he has to go into some sort of disguise. Yeah. So, okay, when are we going to make prop bets? In the next part the next segment let's do it in the next i mean we could do it now but let's do it in the next segment okay. where we're talking about what character he will have to dress I up as i think we should definitely do something 100 like that, that the episode is written by kit lambert who is a welsh writer that is such a perfect british welsh name <laughs> yeah. kit lambert yes. yes yeah he is a postgraduate of the bbc's continuing drama series writers academy that's oh, a lot that's, of S's. That's a lot of a lot S's. Of that sounds very impressive. Plural possessives. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we learned that that's how we connected with the soap opera term because he has written episodes as part of that Writers Academy. He's written episodes for EastEnders, Doctors, Casualty, and Holby City. And so I just I'm going to start a rumor that he didn't actually write all of his episodes. That actually they were ghost written by Shakespeare. <laughs> Like Christopher Kit uh, Marlowe. Marlo. Yes, that's what I'm saying here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say like Shakespeare came from beyond the grave to actually write <gasps> Kit Lampert's episodes. Oh my episodes. gosh, maybe this guy is fake. <laughs> maybe he doesn't actually exist. Maybe he's made up by Jude Tyndall, who is the creator the of this creator show. Of the show. Yes. This is just, they, she's like, I can't write all of them. I can't take credit for all of them. So I'm just going to come up with this Kit Lampert. It's totally yes. fake. <laughs> oh, Kit, I know that you're real. It's, I or, love that. You know what? Well, there's no, a picture of him real. on the internet. AI. It's AI. <laughs> This, this is my stance. Kit Lampert is actually fake. He's, mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I like that idea. Uh, he's also written on, of course, Father Brown because Jude Tyndall also wrote on Father Brown. He's written on The Corner. Of course, this show. He's written on Critical. He's written on Crash. He's written on Sister Boniface Mysteries because, of course, because yes. of Jude Tyndall. And he's written on Death in Paradise. And he has period pieces and a book in development. And he's a playwright. So we're going to see a lot more from him, I'm sure, in some other show that we watch. The director of this episode, I'm really excited to see this. I think she probably has some some notable style. I want to look out for that okay. in this episode when we watch. We're, since we are a rewatch show, I wanted to <laughs> kind of like take that in. She has a very impressive resume. She's a multiple award-winning writer-director. She started in her television career writing for Doctors and Casualty, you know, TV drama yep. stuff. EastEnders. The, yeah. No, 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 no. Continuing <laughs> drama. <laughs> and she has typical guest directing on Vera, Agatha Raisin, this show. But it's interesting. She is now write, directing and writing on like full series. So like she gets the whole second season of a show. Oh, wow. Or like the whole first season because she wrote it and and now she's directing it too so Dang. she had four episodes of a show called suspect eight episodes of a show called before we die another episode or n another episodic show called hollington drive and then she wrote and directed a show called the drowning i hope we get to see those that they come out for to the u.s and she's written and uh, sorry directed well probably written and directed several acclaimed and award-winning short films. Like, I've never seen somebody with so many short films wow. in their resume. And these films have literally been in thousands of international wow. film festivals. 
papa, ornamental, I don't care, night armor, man up, one called Holy Cannoli, which is being turned into a feature film <laughs> called Pizza Face. So we're, I'm feeling a little Italian. Feeling uh, a little Italian <laughs> coming of age happening. teen thing here, yeah. Yeah. She has a lot of support in her background from different writing and directing programs, including the Edinburgh International Festival, the Screen Yorkshire's Triangle Program, the BFI Think, Shoot, Distribute, the Bureau Script Development Program Scheme. So she has all this support behind her. And so she is now sort of paying it forward. She has created and set up this program called Short Flicks, which is a new initiative that seeks to train and seek and find and nurture raw and new filmmaking talent from socially diverse and underrepresented backgrounds and to make five times more short films with them and showcase them on Sky One. And she's already executive produced a ton of them. Um, You can find them in her resume. So we're going to see a lot more you know, exciting work, not just hers, but From others. All these people that she's helping nurture. That she's, uh, yeah, that she's mentoring. And and she also is a, a mentor for actors. She co-ran a program called Playing Up at the National Youth Theater, which a lot of people in this show have National Youth Theater background in this particular episode, actually. So Excellent. that's exciting, too. Cool. All right. Well, we'll be back in a second, and we'll do some guessing, and uh, we'll see if Jessica has, uh, remembers anything about this show. <laughs> It'll be magic. <laughs> so may I just say that two things occurred to me watching the opening of this episode right here. Mm-hmm. One, they do not lean into cozy or funny in this opening. My lord like they like the magician welcomes you to this show which is a night of magic and the macabre and i'm just like the tone for the beginning of this is completely unlike like it is it is spooky it is like it is like it is it is gross yeah he's kind of dirty a little bit like or not no he's not not dirty like Like, he's very like he's very clean and well presented but it's just like there is just a lot of dread dread Dread. they do dirty dread is how i felt i guess and lots of dread and then there's the young woman that's next to him i guess his daughter who's Mm -hmm. the magician's assistant maggie and in those amazing uh sequin shorts yeah some great sequin shorts two color sequin let's let's hold off to talk about the costumes till the appropriate costume time but yes but she's she looks like she's nervous and And dreading yes she looks nervous too but the very first moment you see the audience and they're all just chatting Chatting waiting to come back from the break from the yeah and the and then joey Beatty, who apparently is like the stage manager is peeking through the curtain and looking out at somebody who is standing in the audience, right. like head usher or something, maybe yeah. who's flashing a light at yep. him, like covering a flashlight and uncovering it to like flash and let them know that they're ready to go with Act Two. Yeah. And, ladies and gentlemen, if Jessica could have any more of a crush on Joey Beatty, it, <laughs> it, this is it because now because he plays a stagehand in this episode, so she like he's slouched on and he's just like. Okay, we're ready to go for act two. And she was like, there he is. There he is. <laughs> I don't know that it was a crush. I just thought, like, I just like his his acting. I mm, think he's delightful. <laughs> yes, exactly. You think he's delightful. Yes. Well, I, th- I think Sebastian is delightful, too. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, anyways. But, yes. Uh, w- one good way to win, your- win Jessica's heart, be a stagehand. I should know. I was. <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so J- Joey Bate is a stagehand. He says they're good to go. And so Prospero, Prospini, or whatever his name. Pros. Pros and his assistant. Wa- and By wh- the way, his first name is Lawrence or Larry. And people were saying in the trivia notes mm-hmm. on IMDb that that is probably a reference to Lawrence Olivier, who was also known as Larry to his friends and, you know, did a lot of Shakespeare. Well, <laughs> really? Lawrence Olivier, known for his Shakespeare? I'll have to check that out. I've... <laughs> in any event. Okay. So they, they walk on stage and they like say, look, we're going we're gonna to do this. This is not for the faint of heart. Please leave. They pan over the audience and you see there's a wicked man with a wicked goatee. <laughs> he has very sculpted facial hair yeah. and a goatee. And he's sitting next to a blonde lady. And the blonde lady says, oh, you get over yourself. Basically, that's her attitude. And he's like, I'm not getting on stage with that, Pratt. And then there's also this like married couple, Jill and her husband. Jill is a redhead who looks like one of your favorite assistants in the Doctor Who series, but is not. And then she gets called on stage. They're going to do a trick with the Iron Maiden. The magician pops a balloon on the <laughs> Caliban, like slouches out and hands him a balloon. <laughs> I love it when actors always pretend not to enjoy being in, on stage stage or in the spotlight yes right because yeah for yeah, sure for sure like you know that he's completely comfortable on stage he's like he gets to walk out slouches out gives him a balloon pops it on the spikes while jill puts on this amazing cape and like this cape i'm wondering why she has to put on this cape and i'm wondering if this means like if this is some kind of like dodge that maybe jill didn't act well no i think she actually did die in any event jill gets into the iron maiden They're talking about, don't worry, there's nothing to fear. He shuts the Iron Maiden. There's screams from inside. The husband calls out for Jill. Blood pulls out the side. The head usher rushes on stage, and Cal goes and rings down the curtain. And then we get to credits, which is where we stop, because we've got a crime and the credits, which means we have to guess. Yes. Before we can guess, though, because we have to know, Jessica, how confident are you that you don't remember this episode? I am fairly confident, because if I had seen this... I would have remembered seeing Joey Beatty. <laughs> would you have recognized him? Yes. Okay. So we're f- so you you say like you're more than ninety percent sure that you have not seen this episode. Yes. Okay. There we go. That's the that's the bar for that. I'm gonna. I'll accept that. I'll accept that because I, I I don't think you you looked surprised enough and unclear enough. So I will I will I'll take the over on that. So yeah, I I also don't think that you remember this. We'll find out if how accurate your guess is though. Do you have any guesses? <laughs> okay, I want to come up with the most baroque plotline ever. Please, uh, because I want it to you know I want us to give all the Christies. To this All episode. the Christies for this episode, yes. which is going to be a new thing for us. Yes, we're, we're going to look at Baroque plot lines, and we're going to say on a scale of one to ten Christies, Agatha Christies. Right? How, how Baroque, Baroque was this? is this plot line? Of course, yeah. ten Agatha Christies meaning the most Baroque. Yeah, yeah, and the most like Agatha Christie. Yes. I guess. But you've yeah. but we've also only got forty minutes left on this, so it's it's not going to be like I think just yeah. by format. Yeah, I don't those think eighty minute shows yeah, you really get you a lot. Really get to get Baroque on this. So yeah, okay. So I want to say that, well, we read the log line mm-hmm. and there Some is... Some sort of framing, it looks like. There's a framing of the husband because... Oh, no. Framing of the magician, right? And then there's also framing of the husband because the dead lady had money and the mm-hmm. husband was arguing with her about it. 
So there's two sort of motivations going on yeah. there. But we also had that guy, like you said, in the audience who was like, I would never get on stage with that Pratt. Right. He's. I think he's the rival magician. Oh, you think that's... Yeah, he's got his, his facial hair, his goatee and his sculpted goatee and his just attitude. Oh. And like the magician asks everybody to look under their seat for the card to get a volunteer for the audience. And he doesn't even budge. He doesn't look under his seat at all. He's like, I don't care. I'm not going to do it. So he's the rival magician. So I don't think it's him. Okay. Okay. Because I thought that that blonde girl that was sitting next to him would be somebody and, you know, I suppose she could have been his, the rival guy's magician's assistant. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can't, you can't ruin my, you know, guesses before they're even out, Jacob. I'm so sorry. <laughs> can't go around correcting things. Before... I There's no corrections. I don't know anything. <laughs> corrections and omissions. Yeah. Neither of us know anything. So, so you say. Mm, I, I'm yeah, ninety percent sure I know absolutely nothing. Mm. I think Joey Beatty did this. Oh, you think Cal did it? Okay. Yeah, I think Caliban, but Caliban, uh, I don't know. In the Tempest, he's just kind of a dude. He he tries to like have one over on Prospero, but it all goes wrong. Yeah. And the the Dukes when they're shipwrecked. They come to apologize and they feel bad and peace is made. Okay, so I am going to say this is a episode, we haven't seen it yet, but there's a secret bard society Ooh. that is going to, that that has it out for the mu- musician magicians society. Mm-hmm. And so they don't like the rival magician. They don't like. This. They don't like the magician on the stage. They don't like any, any magician. Uh, any like, magician. We should have. We should have musicians, not magicians. Musicians yes. on this on stage. stage. They don't like the confusion that people have. Right. In the English language, with musician versus magician. Right. You can't can't be lying to your audiences. It just confuses them. Yeah. Just you know, play something that looks like magic because your fingers are flying all over. Yes, a that's making making music is the real magic yeah, here. Yeah. So I think there's a secret society that is pooling their funds in order to frame and undercut magicians. And so they are going to try they're going to try to frame that guy on stage, mm-hmm. Lawrence Pross, and then they're also going to try to get the Duke Anton Duke Right. You know, framed and in on it. Like they're going to yes, just exploit just... this rivalry in order to be this back alley, like to get rid of, of all magicians in this town. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. In England. In all of England. I love yeah. this. Yeah. These are some organized musicians. Yeah. Yeah. They, they organize. Yeah. They have a, a union. There's a union. They know they can work together. Yeah. They, they know how to play in harmony. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They know they need everybody and their talents right. for each thing. So, uh, yeah. And I think that the blonde woman who is sitting next to Anton Duke is actually working. She's a double agent mm. for mu- magicians and musicians. And this is because she was a harp. She's an alternative harp player. And so... She feels <laughs> okay. Yep, but she's a she's an alternative harp player, maybe like a neo folk harp player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she thinks that the musicians are a little fuddy duddy with their like, you know, they're either classical or rock. And either oriented. way, they're annoying. Either way, you know, none nobody's really respecting the harp. 
<laughs> respect the harp. And so she's just gone out on her own and wants, you know, everybody to just be peaceful and heavenly and a little folk-like and poetic and stop it with the infighting. And so actually she she has framed everybody, but she is going to come clean that she was actually the murderer. And she set up Cal, because I think Cal's going to... She, mm-hmm. And ultimately, she's going to have set him up, and then there's going to be a whole tearful scene at the end where she's going to apologize for framing the stage man, the hapless stage manager, who was always nervous. He just happened to get drunk and talk to this pretty blonde girl, right. And tell her and all give her his, secrets. give her all the secrets, which you're never supposed to do when you work for a magician. You're like, you know, you have contracts, and there are like ethics that go into this you're never supposed to share any secrets and he gave them all away to her and so she just used him and set everybody up and then so now it's going to come out that the musicians you know union is is up against the magicians guild and um this is going to be this there's going to be some headlines jessica yeah well done you weren't lying that is that is Baroque as hell. Oh, I oh, love oh, it. Oh, oh, but here's more. the other thing. Okay, so why this woman, right? Yeah. Why, why this Jill? Jill, right? Well, Jill, she went to private school with, and Jill actually plays the harp. And Jill was a better harp player or was kind of snooty and mean to her as a mm, harp player. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. it got personal. She was like, I have to do this thing to make like the world better like everybody needs to like each other and like art forms but i still have it out for this other harp player and so she's like she's gonna go down she's gonna pay for the sins of all these other people but it's because i hate her you know she does have this one (laughs) blind spot which is other harp players otherwise she wants peace (laughs) peace in our time except for other harp players then they have to die yeah okay i Love that. Okay, and what do you think? What do you think the odds are that Joey Beatty plays the lute at all in this episode? I'm gonna say there is a two percent chance. Yeah, I was gonna say less than ten percent, so I'll go with two percent. Yeah. Okay. Although I don't know, you know, stage hands sometimes like they do play like the guitar on yeah. the side, you know, and so it could be a thing. It could be like he, he just gets drunk and like melancholy plays good massages the... and <laughs> plays the guitar. <laughs> We're not drawing on any kind of like college experience here about theater, no, how it works. No, not no, at all. Not, not at, all. at all. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I am going to okay, my guess on all of this. I this is a serious guess. I like you you went completely baroque and I am guessing that it was the female stagehand who did this. <gasps> yeah, the one flashing the light. The one light flashing out the light. The she, she, oh. We only saw her twice. She flashes a light and then she runs on stage. This is a big swing. She. This is either. Gonna I be don't the... know if it is a big swing because I was like, wow, that is some blocking that she like runs diagonally across the screen in that last shot, and right. so that we have the magician in the foreground. We have Joey Beatty pulling down the the curtain, and she's running across and the she's, stage. Yeah, running yeah, like exactly. diagonally across. Like it. they're like they're doing their best to make sure that she's in the shot and that she's like there but not trying to draw too much attention to her so i think it's a bit of misdirection i think it's her i think she's doing it because also like who put the card underneath whose seat 
who knows how yeah, all that happens it has to be she's her. gonna know where jill is sitting and i think that she wants she is trying to ha- she is conspiring with jill's husband to kill jill and get all the money Oh, so that's what I think is going on. Yeah, with I bet all you're this. right. So I am not nearly as baroque as you are. Which, like, if it wouldn't blow out the microphone, I'd give you a slow clap. Like, just well done <laughs> on that. Like, that was some baroque stuff right there. So, all right. Thank you. I love it. I love it. Let's see what happens. Here we go. Let's find out. We'll be right back. Be right back. Jessica, I want to take a little break right here. Then I want to center ourselves. I want to get, like, just get my voice deep in my belly and have it come right from where it needs to be and just be centered so that when we say that I won, we don't just completely shock ourselves out of existence. And blow the microphone (laughs) out as you're like, I'm going to sing, yeah, 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 because I won. (laughs) Is this this a record? Like, this is number three. This is the third episode of the season, and I got it right. Is that that the soonest in a season that we've ever gotten something right? You... Oh, you mean three in? Yeah. You, it's a, wait, you, so you haven't got any. Until now. What I'm just saying in other seasons, had I gotten one right by the oh, third episode of the season. I don't know. We need I to track either. this somehow. Um, uh, Sabermetrics for guessing shows. Yes. I'm excited for you. Thank uh, you. Congratulations, Thank you very much. Jacob. Yeah. You yeah. can walk up on the podium. <laughs> we'll give you a little <laughs> lion. <laughs> And you can throw it into the audience. I've been watching too much Tour de France. <laughs> I get a lion and I get bragging rights for at least two weeks. Yeah. So, yes. I was right. It was the usher lady. The usher changed the card where the card was placed to place it under the man's seat because in the past, many years ago, the man was driving at night in the rain and got into an accident and killed the usher's parents. So the usher was serving up a cold dish of revenge. She yeah. knew how the trick worked. She went. She changed the where the well. No, card... she stole the stage notes and learned how the right. trick worked. And then she planted the stage notes in Mr. Shiplake's. Mr. Shiplake bin. was the guy who was arguing with his wife. And they changed seats though. So the the wife got called. So the usher went and put the card underneath his seat so that he would get called up and be murdered but his wife and he were arguing because she couldn't see anything so they swapped seats so the wife got called up to the stage and she got murdered but it was the Mm -hmm. usher the usher did it and it also makes sense why she has that very dramatic cross on stage Mm -hmm. in that final scene right right before the the title credits where the murder happens and then she just runs on stage. She could have just, she's an usher. She could have just stayed out in the house, but she flipped out. She ran Ran. across the stage. And that is the moment where I was like, oh, it must be her because there's, there was no reason for her to be on stage. The reason for her to be on stage was because, so she sabotaged the trick by removing a magnet, which would have, which would have, if the magnet got tripped, all the spikes would have been retracted and they wouldn't have hit the lady. So she removed the magnet, the spikes stabbed the lady and she died. But then she had to put the magnet back before the police came. So that's why she ran up on stage. 
she was pretending to be like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But in all that confusion, she put the magnet oh, back. Oh, I didn't realize that either. Yeah. Oh, so that's, thank you. that's what happened there. But as soon as I saw her on stage, I was like, it's got to be her. There's no reason for her to be there okay. that they're showing her. So yeah, all right. Thank fine. you. Thank you. No, no, I get, to, I, I get a victory lap. I get a victory lap. I get, right, I get well, to be all like, yeah, here yeah, we go. Start this your is, trotting. <laughs> I, think, I think we already have. <laughs> <laughs> and it's technically called preening. This is preening. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so before we move on, what, tell us about the actress who played Iris. Do you, what do you know about her? Oh. So Iris is played by Hannah Hutch. And she does a lot of theater, as the British actors do. She has performed at the National Theater. She's performed at the Manchester International Festival, at the Royal Exchange. She's performed at Shakespeare's Globe. She's performed at the Old Vic. And she, on TV, she's been in Call the Midwife, this show, Mm. and Sister Boniface, and Doctors, of course. Of course. A continuing series. A continuing drama, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Excellent. So yeah, it was a fun episode. I liked it. They like they did a really good job with like we were talking about the tone of dread and the opening to it. Yeah. And it immediately went light and fluffy as soon as you yeah. got past yeah. the By the way, there was a bard in this episode. Yeah, but not like okay, yes. So after this magician gets discredited because he's murdered somebody, he and his daughter Maggie are on the street trying to do like whatever magic just trying to do street magic in the park to get you know a couple bucks a couple bucks and like their audience is lured away by a man dressed as shakespeare who starts doing he cites some soliloquy from hamlet he starts doing to be or not to be just he just walks some soliloquy from hamlet (laughs) some the made the most famous (laughs) <laughs> yes perhaps the most famous speech in all of english theater yes. fair enough fine yeah that was kind of a he doesn't look like the painting of shakespeare that guy did not look like the painting of shakespeare he was wearing a rough that was like it looked very like, italian at black and white like almost like an arlecchino it was very weird it was like edgar Allan poe crossed with shakespeare yes. is what it looked like yes. yes i don't know if they just were like well, we're gonna. We don't want to distract people because if we have somebody that actually looks like Shakespeare walk by, everyone will be like, "Wait a minute, is this a blast from the past? Is he like? Is this like a ghost? Is this a ghost story?" <laughs> and so instead, they were like, "No, just some guy." Just some guy. I just, I just liked that there was a bard and yeah. there's Joey Beatty. Who Joey Beatty? Even though he's playing a stagehand, he's playing a stagehand in a muse in a in a magician's show because mm-hmm. he ends up in the other magician in Anton Duke's show right because anton duke of course takes the theater over after this uh, one magician after lawrence cross is discredited credited yeah and so the final finale scene the big finale right the confrontation where the confrontation when the usher is going to you know the police are going to come and take the usher and they're going to confront her and tell well shakespeare and hathaway are going to confront her and be like you did this and she runs away and she runs on stage in front of the whole audience and like the police have to capture her there and take her and luella has to take the sword away from her that she takes anyway before all of this happens you have this shot she is backstage the house manager the whatever the usher is backstage counting tickets or some some such nonsense and 
On stage, you see Anton in a clear box with lights and a microphone, and you see just off to the side, magician's assistant now, Callum, played by Joey Beatty, who has long black hair, and he's wearing a black t-shirt, and he's holding his hands like across his, like, kind of like across his crotch, and it looks exactly like Chris Angel. He is (laughs) totally doing a dead-on Chris Angel impression back there, and I know for sure that that is what he was doing. Yes, I will get 100%, (laughs) I will give you that, yes. I I do want to say about Anton Dukes, though, his, his, his facial hair He's a prat throughout the whole episode. He's a womanizing yeah. prat, and people don't like him. So he gets he gets humiliated when he does this trick, and he gets upstaged by uh, even though he's Hathaway. got the light, he's got the sound, yeah. and he's still being upstaged by by this these... usher waving a sword around. <laughs> yeah, um, his facial hair is it's not even just incredibly like specific and tidy and neat and everything on it's like his chin goatee it looks exactly like the rebel sigil from the star wars universe yeah there's a lot that going little on like curve and out. the points and everything else in there i was just oh. like oh my god somebody put star wars on this guy's face oh my gosh it could be oh wow i didn't even notice yeah that. i was like there's something going on there but i it went by too fast oh yeah. good eye good thank eye you. thank you yeah there's some, and we also we intended to do a prop bet about what Sebastian's costume was going to be, and we he did is not. so good. Oh, he's so good. Oh he's my gosh! Swung, he swung in there like, do you want to do it undercover? And he like swings in on the door jam, and it's just like, can't a man eat his quinoa in peace? It's just like, <laughs> he's so much fun. Yes. So in this one, he dresses up like a very rich Eton kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, what's the deal? His wife needs to stay. He, he's they're, planning they're planning a trip. their honeymoon and his wife needs to stay at a place that is carbon neutral. Yes. And he's like, do you have the time? Or what's your budget? Oh, no object. And he's like, please sit down. Or Mr. Yeah. Shiplake says that. Because Shiplake is a travel, travel agent. agent. So yeah. Sebastian goes in to get some more information. Yeah. And him. I just love, I mean, it's the it's the costume, but it's also the acting. It's, yes. Because he just, he's wearing those white pants and he crosses his legs in this just very particular kind of way. White he's polo shirt with the pop collar, collar and, maybe blue and blazer. sunglasses. Yes. Just, you know, popped on the top of his forehead just a little bit sitting on top of his head and his whole attitude of like oh thank you so much or, he fakes a cough to get the to ship lake to leave the room to get him some water he fakes a cough he's like oh it's just it's just a little something i picked up at whistler which of course all of you know because whistler is just north of squamish which is of course where the podcast adjudication board sits. that's right so yeah i mean i'm sure he I wondered though, was he up at Whistler skiing or was he there to like petition the podcast adjudication board? Does oh, he have a no. podcast? No. <laughs> what he got in trouble with the podcast adjudication board? Oh, oh man. Gosh. Or maybe he's just like maybe he's just the delivering a report from the UK. Yeah. Side. Like that, I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just uh, delivering. About he's updating the Etonian podcast. <laughs> Etonian podcast. He's delivering it in person. He was like, I'll swing by and I'll get some skiing yes. in too. Perfect. Maybe I'll go to Banff. I don't know. <laughs> Banff is nowhere near there. But sure, yes. <laughs> as long as but you're on the continent. Do, you know, do both. You yeah, you're right. Try out the skiing in places yes. in Canada. So he's doing, he's, he's doing his podcast ski tour is what we're really saying yes. here. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he thought he might do Aspen, but it's super high up there, and it's just really hard to breathe. Can we 
can we do a podcast ski tour? Could that be something we do? Oh. <laughs> I would love okay. to do a podcast ski tour. <laughs> can you guess how many times Jacob will fall on this hill? Which bone oh. will Jacob break on this descent? I, yeah, I am kind of scared of skiing, I have to say. I, I would love to try it, but I had It's going down a mountain a... with two little boards strapped yeah. to your feet. Yes, it's scary. I've done it before. I just, like, I've also done roller skating, and I hit the ground so hard, I'm fairly certain my knee still hurts from that <laughs> night it's still yeah so i but i i would go along with you and we could have like lots i could have lots of hot chocolate you while would wear you fluffy are boots and drink the chocolate yes, yes, yes that's there we what go. i would do uh for sure speaking of hot chocolate please there's no hot chocolate in this episode <laughs> you're but right but there is all kinds of food there's, and there's all, all kinds, kinds of business of eating. food yes and and we already know that Frank hates like fancy teas. Like he probably teas, like just Earl drinks Grey. PJ PG tips and like the end. Yeah. Like yeah, he or just like water that tastes like weeds, you know, sure. soaked in and, and I don't mean like Mary J. I mean like <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. And he yeah, he doesn't like Earl Grey. He probably doesn't like English breakfast. No. Anyway, so yeah, there's a donut that is. Yeah, she shows eaten. up with donuts, then she's eating in the th- yeah. the next scene that they do. They 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 go to a food cart in front of the RSC building, and she gets a cupcake. She gets a cupcake there. Later on, she's on a stakeout and she's eating a bag of. You say it's pirates booty. I think I'm, it was. Yeah, I'm fairly certain the the, the it was turned away, things. but yeah. it was purple and it had the white and they were puffy. It had to be pirates booty because here's the thing, it's an episode all with like tempest themes. So oh my pirates booty God. would be perfect, right? Yes. Yeah, that's yes. what I thought. I was like, oh, that's okay. adorable. That is so cute. <laughs> that is, if that is true, that is so awesome. I was kind of sad. The theater, you know, we'd never meet anybody at the theater besides the usher, who's actually the house manager. Right. Who's, who's, who's also, also works behind the... Backstage the, a little bit. Works backstage a little bit. Also works the concession stand at intermission. Yeah, that yeah. usher's doing everything. And Duke Anton... Isn't there a scene in... Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to do this again. Isn't there a scene in Tempest where the Duke... You know, like, don't they... I know that... Okay. Jessica tries to remember Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Uh, Like, so um, Caliban, you know, he's he's run into by the two drunks. Oh, the two drunks. The Mm -hmm. two jokey drunks. They get separated from the rest of the shipwreck from the Duke. And, and they, they get all drunk with Caliban. They get yes. drunk with Caliban and he drinks for the first time. And then don't they kind of enslave him? Or no, he becomes like, oh. Anyway, there is a scene that I was like, oh, this is supposed to be an impression of Shakespeare. When Duke Anton is bossing Cal around, Joey Beatty, mm-hmm. as the stage, you know, the stagehand. And he's like pushing the... Not the, in the right spot. He's, there's a little wagon with... Yeah. magic stuff on it and he's like it's not supposed to be over there it's supposed to be over there which they could have said stage right not stage left but nobody needs to know that stuff but i thought that was funny that mm-hmm. he was because again it goes with your whole thing where like having actors pretend to not give a crap about being on stage right and actively not want to be yeah yeah they're like i'm playing a character that doesn't actually like the spotlight but <laughs> you're like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, oh you actors <laughs> cute <laughs> adorbs <laughs> <laughs> so adorbs. <laughs> this has been Jessica Tries to Remember Shakespeare. <laughs> it's a segment. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, if you want me to talk about some other quotes or some other like um, yeah, references. What other, what other trivia do they put in there? What, what Yeah, did you find some out? other trivia. That's the word I was looking for. So, <laughs> yeah, many of the characters share names with Shakespearean characters, right. mainly from The Tempest. We talked about Mr. Pross is actually like Prospero or a takeoff of Prospero, the magician with the daughter Miranda, who it's in this Maggie. episode is Maggie. Anton Dukes is supposed to be Duke, Duke Anton. Yeah. In, excuse me. In The Tempest. Callum is Caliban. And Iris is one of the spirits who performs oh. in the mask in The Tempest. I did not know that. I did not know that either. I guess they didn't want to be no, like totally two on the nose, two yeah. on the nose and call her Ariel or something. Another, oh, IMDb says, another delicious reference. <laughs> delicious. To Shakespeare's plots when Sebastian inquires about booking a honeymoon with his fiance Olivia. Oh, um, Olivia that in the play awesome. Twelfth Night, the Lady Olivia marries Sebastian, yes. whom she thinks is his twin. That oh, I totally went over my head. Yeah, and I me love too. That. Yeah, me too. And then the name of Stefan's travel agency. Oh no. Is the Undreamed Shores. And <sighs> that is another Shakespearean reference. It comes from Act Four, Scene Four of the Winter's Tale. Where Camillo says... You promised me a Winter's Tale reference. Yeah, a cause more promising than a wild dedication of yourselves to unpathed waters, undreamed shores, most certain. There's more to that, but... Yes, I love that. That is fantastic. such a cool name, undreamed shores. Yeah, that is a great name for a travel agency. Yes. Oh, what a Shakespeare... Brilliant. Shall we do our costuming segment? I think Maggie steals the show with all the costumes in this, other than like the the Chris Ang- that well the facial hair steals the show, the Chris Angel moment steals the show, yeah. and then Maggie is Maggie changes costumes three times during this episode. She has lots of yes. great. She has her assistant outfit, and then the next time you see her, when they come into Shakespeare and Hathaway's to like hire them, she suddenly looks like Alanis Morissette. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's got like jeans and a leather jacket and her hair. Like she's got a, like, she's got a beret, knit cap, knit cap beret, yeah. big and, one. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's got like her hair around her shoulder and it's now like in this like loose herringbone ponytail. Yeah. And I'm convinced. It looks great. It looks yeah. great. But I'm convinced. There are several other scenes in the episode where she has that herringbone ponytail. I'm convinced that they shot out of order and that all like the the customer just did her hair like that one day and it's like great I'm not changing your hair we're doing all of these scenes today so yeah they I change mean, the hat but that hair stays the it same it could be there were moments where it looks a little ragged and you know you're right? just like uh did you pull on that today because yeah. you just <laughs> this, this or is, did like a costume change later. Yeah. like oh crap it pulled out the hair well i'm not gonna redo that yeah so. it's, can't no time to redo that you have to yeah. change sweaters put on a new hat there you go the hair's staying the same yeah so. So I, we've talked about the costume designer here before, Claire Collins. She does Sister Boniface Mysteries, mm-hmm. Canterville Ghost, because she's worked with Jude Tyndall. She was also on Father Brown. She was the creator there, a creator, costume designer. I think I'm pretty sure I'm not making that up, but she was definitely on that show for like 57 episodes. She also did Hustle, Marple, Miss Austin Regrets, Jane Eyre, Bleak House, The Murder Room, Sherlock Holmes in the case of his still of the 
silk stockings, not his silk stockings. Don't judge Shakespeare. Don't judge Shakespeare. Don't judge Sherlock don't, Holmes. Don't judge Sherlock Holmes. Oh man, I ruined the joke. I was uh, so all set for Sherlock Holmes to like be wandering around in silk stockings. I know, me too. I as I was saying it, I was like, wait a minute, that actually could be cool. But yeah, Claire Collins, great job, lady. And I love that Shake Luella Shakespeare is always wearing some sort of pink thing yes. and flowers. That she just always looks so cute and fun. Well, this is a cute and fun show, but how baroque is it? So, Jessica, oh. on a scale from mm. zero to t- zero to ten or one to ten Agathas, how baroque do you think this plot was? So this was, yeah, I would, uh, you know, it's like a five, I, and I don't mean a five like in a bad way, like yeah, it's a no. C plus or something. You know, it's a solid, it's a solid story. There are lots of motivations, lots of people mm-hmm. who could have done it. Yeah. So I would say, so when we got to the usher, I mean, you you noticed it from the beginning with that girl crossing mm-hmm. across the stage and there was no reason for her to do that. So, I mean, it was obvious, but I mean, we have watched some of these murder shows where they are so intent on the arc right. of the whole of the whole season or whatever that they figure out the murder and like the murderer and like there's. Yeah, like halfway through they figure it out because the rest of it's just character development yeah. for the rest of the, sh- for the, yeah, rest of the yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. That's why I guess I would say five. I mean, I don't, th- I don't feel like it's not, it's not baroque enough to be like it's a six, but I feel like it's, yeah, it's, it's average. I don't see. Here's the thing. I am going to give them a six. I'm going to give oh, them a okay. six. I don't think, I don't think it's extremely baroque, but I do, I will go above average for them simply because I guessed, I guessed the state, I guessed the usher, and I was right. But like halfway through, they they drop some very heavy clues early on that the usher would know all these things, and so I'm like, oh, mm. they're overplaying it a little too much. So halfway through, literally halfway through the episode, they go and confront the usher about all this, and she's like, oh yeah, this this and this. She like gives explanations for all the things that she knew, and she's like, well, and she had her alibis and stuff. It's like, oh okay, they made those they they made the same logical leaps I did. Like the usher would have known, the usher would have had opportunity, the usher would. Mm. blah 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 so i like i was like oh they're making it a little too easy and then they go and they interview her halfway through and they burn that and i was like oh oh crap well i guess it wasn't her because she's good but then they brought it back around so that little bringing it back around to that i think just like that i'm going to give them one more agatha for that so yeah yeah, i'm going to give them six on this well done with that so yeah six six for me you you can stick with your five that's fine but i mean yeah I, I, you make a good point. I'm also feeling generous because I won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a winner. Yeah. <laughs> You're a winner. Yay. You're a wiener. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will call it for this week. And next week, we will go to more Undreamt Shores, except it's just the next episode of the Shakespeare Hathaway season yeah, one. So we'll so, see you there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, watch it. Check it out. All right. See you next time. See you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. Tell us your guesses, your scores, and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next. Go to our website, cluedunitpodcast.com, or email us at cluedunitpodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram and Facebook at cluedunitpodcast, or on Twitter at cluedunit. 
And if you like the podcast, please rate us and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help us get the word out. And maybe you'll hear your review read on the show. Want to be a Clue Done It private investigator? Leave us a few bucks at cluedonitpodcast.com and we'll send you a personalized, official Clue Done It private investigator license. Officially approved by the totally fake Podcasting Adjudication Board in their secret headquarters in a mountain outside of Squamish. We hope to hear from you soon because watching, watching TV is, is always, always better, better with friends. friends. There are, I think there are two people, two fantasy fan tribes in the world. There are the yeah. people who think that Frodo and Sam from Lord of the Rings is your mm-hmm. ultimate, like, bromance slash pairing. Yeah. And then there are Geralt and Yaskier in The Witcher, who are your favorite <laughs> bromance pair. And I had to say, I'm a, I'm, I come down on the side of Witcher and Yaskier. Yeah. I, I, like, I like them better than Frodo and Sam. First of all, the hobbits will drink you under the table. Let's be clear. Like, if oh, you go to a party, the hobbits really will drink point. you under the table. They know how to party. Yeah. But I think that, I think yes, But that's a really good point. Witcher they be... actually do know how to party, the hobbits. You yeah. don't know that Geralt knows how to party. Oh, he Geralt does not of, party at all. He Ger- smiles, but he's always so dour and down yeah. and sort of depressive. And I mean, he's going to get with the ladies, but that means, like, for any other guy who wants to be with the lady, well, they're, forget it, because they're all following him off to that's wherever true. he's going, the hot tub time machine or something. <laughs> 